0: Martin Luther King Day, a day late, I guess. We're recording this on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, welcome to the At the High Podcast, part of the Spanish Network Podcast. I am Jonathan, and I'm joined as always by Zach and Chase. Zach, how are you?
1: Very well, Jonathan. Feeling feeling good. Feeling good. Um, it's MLK Day, and you know. It's important to say something about MLK Day, but not stamp it too much with your own impressions of the man. And I think the best thing that we can do is just say, hey, go read some of his words, go look at some of his speeches, Um, make sure that the sources are right and that you make sure that they're in context and stuff like that. But I think that's the best thing to say. Treat each other well. You know, yes. Happy MLK Day.
0: Happy MLK Day. Yeah, this is don't don't be those people that uh, take the opportunity to be virtuous as a way to like inflate your brand or whatever. Like just
1: this ain't for this ain't <laughs> for the gram. It's just doing the right thing.
2: Not your day. Chase, how are you? I'm doing all right. You know, enjoying this nice day of basketball, you know, thinking of the, the words of Martin Luther King himself and, you know, re- reflecting on all that. And, you know, I, how it's, it's a it's a good day.
0: I do love the Martin Luther King day tradition of having NBA on all day. Um, especially it's also, you know, it's kind of like coaching the caution is like all the messaging and stuff, which is always really nice. And then it's just always good when we have basketball on the TV from new, like one o'clock or noon, I think it was the first game.
2: Even yeah, a bad one. So. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was not worth watching, but it, it did technically start at noon. <laughs> there
0: was there was basketball on the TV, allegedly basketball on the TV from noon up until like
1: tomorrow. Well, today. Um, those, anyway, those days are the best days. Christmas Day is like that too. Oh yeah, just having basketball all day on a day when either you're off or maybe you have less of a workload than you normally do. It's always nice to have basketball on. I was watching the Hornets game. Um, the against the Raptors and the I guess the NFL playoff game, the Packers game was coming on, and I had to like argue with the two people I was sitting outside with, like, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> let's leave it on the Hornets game, please.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I, I was to I'm the same way too. Like, I I watched the Hornets over whatever playoff game was on on uh, Saturday, and uh, I have like a rooting interest in the Packers a little bit. Not not fully so, but like my mom grew up in Wisconsin. She's a huge Packers fan, so I like you know, for her sake. But it's the same thing. It's just like I'm watching the Hornets game, and then after the Hornets game it was over, like oh yeah, there's like a extremely important football game going on right now. Um, speaking of the Hornets, uh, the first thing we're gonna talk about is the lack of Hornets, and that they had a game scheduled for tomorrow for Wednesday against the Washington Wizards, and now they don't. It's gone, poof, off the schedule because uh is having a little they're having a little bit of a problem Do you say that's fair they're they're, they're down bad they're right now fair. probably <laughs> <It's>, yes <laughs> if if dabo swinney taught me anything about covid uh games getting postponed due to covid it's more of a fact uh that teams are scared to play
2: not because they're actually worried about their health um Yikes! The Wizards are scared of the Hornets. I think this <laughs> is a good thing to settle on. Yeah, for sure. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, the Wizards, I think, as of last report, I think their GM on Friday said they had six players that had tested positive, and another at that point three. They were out with contact tracing, you know, meaning they were close contacts with one of pro- most likely one of those six players. Uh, you have to have eight players to start a basketball game. That's if you take out nine players off an NBA team, they no longer have eight NBA players to start a basketball game. So that's just math. That's just math. Oh, that um, I think they also have some injury issues too. Like I don't think it's I don't think their problem is limited to COVID. Yeah, but, um Thomas,
2: Thomas Bryant got hurt, and they oh, haven't that's true, uh, replaced yeah, him with anybody yet.
0: He's like hurt, hurt too. Right? Yeah, he, he's out, he's out for after the, year, the year, I
2: believe. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, the Wizards for their part of this. I don't think they're going to play for a while. Like they're this is the only game they have. I mean, they've postponed four games before this. So this is their fifth straight game that's been postponed. They're on the schedule for Saturday against the Bucks. They'll probably get that one postponed too, I'm imagining. Just because they have to like these players have to start like getting over the virus because they they need them on the team to play. And I, the way the NBA's uh set up for like the protocol for when players get the virus, it's like two almost two weeks. I think it's 10 to 14 days before they can come back yeah. and uh, play. So it's going to be a while for them, which maybe is good for their fans' sake because they're pretty bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe. To... Yeah.
2: yeah. Go, go ahead, Zach.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say it's, it's hard to say what it actually means. So we're calling this game postponed, but yeah. it hasn't been rescheduled yet for the All Star no. break or anything, right? No. So, it's it's wishful thinking to be honest with you to say that things are postponed. This is the first time COVID has affected the Charlotte Hornets season, mm-hmm. and I don't think it'll be the last time.
0: No, it, it won't. And uh, every game that's been postponed to this point, which is it's growing pretty quickly, the amount of games that have been postponed. And it's and to be fair, most of the postponements lately have are contact tracing issues, not team breakouts or outbreaks. So that's good news in a sense like at least we're not having this like well, the wizards are dealing i think the only team that have like an outbreak is that right
2: i think so i there mean like a the, couple- sixers, the sixers and celtics had a lot of people and the rockets had a lot of people test positive but not like for long periods of time like yeah this. and dallas too because they almost i was gonna say the go math yeah. as well yeah. yeah
0: i think they all, none of them have more than like a one or two test positive and they have a lot of players for contact tracing with that positive test um the Wizards are the first that I've heard like half their roster actually has COVID um but the NBA so none of the games that have been postponed have been rescheduled yet and I think that was uh the NBA you know they they planned for this so that's why I don't think they're freaking out I don't think they're freaking out at least outwardly they're not freaking out and I don't think we should freak out um because that's why half the schedule hasn't been released yet and we talked about this before the show, but I think the wizards are just going to have to play like a really loaded schedule in the second half of the season. And that's just going to be the way they make up for it. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think the plan is probably just hopefully by the end of March, we're seeing enough of a, like a decrease in cases that this doesn't become an issue. And we can kind of finish the season. Now where we are in a public health sense and the NBA is part of the public is the worst yeah, me people are getting I wonder what
1: stuff. the I wonder what the players union thinks about that or what they've agreed mm-hmm. to so if we pile up all these games at the end of the year, usually the end of the year, because people have miles on them, they're starting to get injuries. Yeah. And then what if these what if these games don't get played, and then you have you know an amount of teams that have so many wins, and amount mm-hmm. of teams who have uh, lesser chances to get wins? It'll be interesting to see how the end of the year clears out like that. Yeah. What we know for sure is that they're not going back to the bubble. I think that's what everybody's saying is that we can't go yeah. back to the bubble. No, which
0: like. It makes sense. Um, I think for the lo- like for the logistics of it, by the time they could, you know, get it like secure a location and then do all the stuff they had to do to make the bubble secure, it's like, well, hopefully, that timeline isn't any better than the timeline of like you know, the cases nationwide start to drop. At least it's not too far ahead. And closer and closer to normalcy. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, as of right now, the Hornets won't play again until Friday um so they have six days off which i think is probably a good thing because the games have been so it's what they played what 10 games in 16 days before this time off is that
2: right yeah and i think so a lot of them are on the road too and i don't think mm-hmm. uh gordon hayward's gonna be you know overly upset about a few extra days of rest <laughs> after that no week either
0: yeah oh that's another that's a great point um Cause I don't, I, I didn't know it wasn't noticeable during the game, but I'm sure it was in his head. Like, hey, don't. Yeah, like he, if, that on.
2: had to have been sore. Like he was, he was like bit doing the like back rotations like that when when you get up and your yeah. back hurts, like he was twisting around like that. So I'm, I'm sure it hurt, but yeah. I, I doubt it's a long term thing. It's just nice to get to sit and do nothing for a few days.
0: Yeah, and then the Hornets can practice, kind of maybe mess with some. Some personnel groupings. Obviously, it's only that's, for...
2: that's true too. A young a young team getting a few extra days of practice probably not a, a bad thing either.
0: James Borrego probably very excited. He's just because he talked about the fact that the games are so the schedule is so compact that he's like we just aren't going to be able to practice uh, for a while. So now he's like, okay, good, we can practice for like almost a week. And and the front office, as to uh, to Chase's article he wrote the other day, can maybe if. It's too late now because we're like halfway through it, but it would have been a good time to integrate a new player if the front office had chosen to go that route, which it's they probably could use an upgrade at center if we're being honest, you know. Maybe that's a hot take. What do you guys
1: think? Well, and there may be an upgrade at center because they have this week off. I know that. Pre, last week, he said he was a couple weeks away from coming back. But Cody Zeller is on the mend, and mm-hmm. we're around the time where he might be able to come back to you. I doubt he'll come back that Friday, but at least it gets us closer to a Cody Zeller return. Oh, while yeah. not losing games because we don't have a lot of center <laughs>
0: help, because <laughs> we're not playing games. Yeah, I think the the timeline would have put him like around, like yeah, this like this coming weekend or after this back to back visit to orlando so yeah, the yeah 20th i guess it
2: would have been four weeks from the yeah. day that he broke his hand i think it was four to six weeks i believe
0: yeah so five weeks will put him when the hornets return home uh after their backs back with orlando uh chase wrote an article on at the hive at the com. you never heard what of it. a great uh, website great website if you never heard of it i don't know how you're listening to this but it's there um about what the hornets can do mid-season to improve the center position uh chase what is your like what do you think is most likely or what's your like favorite scenario because i know the ones you mentioned were kind of the first two especially were kind of blockbusters what what do you think of the like the real like the probability winning and what do you think is the most likely thing to happen?
1: what is your, what, what is your vision board look like yes. Chase? we <laughs> really need to know what who you're willing to this team Yes. I've
2: been, I've been closing my eyes and scattering the pieces on, on my vision board a lot in the last uh, last couple of weeks just to t- test test a few things out but like I don't obviously I like Mitch Cupjack is just not that kind of guy to make a, a blockbuster move in like mid-season I don't think uh-huh. to to change the team like that especially because like now like we just talked about we have Cody Zeller coming back so they can just be like oh there's our you know our help at the center spot is just getting him back. That's the only reason we needed it to begin with. But like if, if they were to make a trade, I would uh, like, I think that in the article I talked about John Collins, Miles Turner and Mo Bamba. I think that getting John Collins like in a trade somehow would be a very good move like uh, granted this is implying that he's like someone that they're considering using cap space on this summer like if they're not then obviously they're not going to go that route at all and they would just kind of wait for things to play out in the offseason but if they wanted him and I could definitely see why they would because he's a, a pretty seamless fit in their like small ball ish lineup because he, he would be tech kind of like a small ball five but he's still 6'9, and I think he's like 230. He's obviously very athletic, and he's like one of the best probably the best pick and roll big in the NBA. So, like, he, he is a very seamless fit uh, you know, on both ends of the floor, and it obviously plugs the hole at center as well. I mean, wh- whether or not you want to spend money on a guy at, at that position is is a different scenario, but like, I, I've John, John Collins to me is like the one guy that would be worth that type of thing. Miles Turner is kind of just like, he seems to have been on the market forever. So, and and like the Hornets obviously have been been in the market for for a center for a very long time. So like that kind of just makes sense, especially given the fact that Sabonis seems to be like a, like a really good, like perennial all-star type player now. And he's kind of more of a center going forward as well. And then, I mean, the Mo Bamba, the last option. I don't know if he is even available because he seems to have like really struggled coming back from uh, COVID, which re- which really sucks because he w- he looked pretty good at the end of last year, and he's had a lot of trouble with just like nagging injuries. And I hopefully he can you know get through that pretty soon. But so I don't, but I don't know if he would actually be like on the market for a trade right now. But the Hornets also, you know, when I was writing that article, the biggest thing I realized was the Hornets don't have a ton to offer that doesn't involve them compromising other positions Javons. like exactly, exactly. right yeah. like they could, like I, I thought about putting bradley beal at the end just for, with like i think it'd be like <laughs> terry. i think that it works perfectly with terry zeller and then just a ton of picks i thought about doing that at the end just because it'd be funny but like that you yeah like you really can't get any of these guys without giving up like some pretty serious like draft capital or like someone like Devonte or Miles or PJ, which I would assume is off limits at this point. Like I, yeah. I mean, I don't. Not, obviously, you're not going to be like, oh, you know, I really need, you know, these two young guys instead of you know Bradley Beal or something. But like, I don't think that that opportunity is going to present itself. But like, otherwise, you're really you're not looking to move on from them yet, at least. So. Uh, Yeah, I I, the likelihood that I, I think that they make a move is probably pretty slim. I think that they should definitely look into it. I don't know if they are or not. But I can't imagine that Mitch is like actively perusing the market for a deal right now he just doesn't seem like that kind of like proactive gm because i always <laughs> I always think of the story that says mitch kupchak is the only gm in the nba that refuses to tamper which is like so <laughs> it, it's so perfect like i can totally picture that oh, like yeah. he, he, he calls at 1201 a.m on like july 6th or whatever when everybody has their deal already negotiated <laughs> like, dang it I, I can't believe that already happened how'd they get to you in the last minute <laughs> it's like i thought first sure i had my alarm
0: set i, th- I even hit send I hit the call button at eleven fifty nine and 57 seconds. I thought for sure I'd
1: get to you first. <laughs>
2: I can't believe this happened. Someone's got to make a rule for this stuff. Yeah. I, uh, you know, John that's, Collins...
1: that's messed up. That means everybody else is breaking the rules. I'm saying he's <laughs> playing by the game like you're supposed to. Hey,
0: we got us, we got us Gordon Hayward with it, but, um, John Collins. So I'm normally team, no center, uh, not no center, but in terms of like investment, you know, asset investment and things like that. But John Collins, uh, is such a seamless fit for how this team plays that I will I will forego that if that was as if I have a say in the matter but <laughs> kind of in a sense like the what what the hornets are when PJ Washington is on the floor you get that with John Collins but uh, with a little with a boost to the rebounding and just overall length and athleticism which you know because he I, he can shoot from the outside, which, you know, makes that that pace and space work better than like when Biombo's on the court. Because there's so many times when Biz is on the floor where he catches a pass at the top of the key. And my in my natural instinct is like, shoot it. Ah, oh, it's biz. Dang it. Where if that's <laughs> right? John Collins or my even Miles Turner. But I think John Collins, as we're talking about specifically, it's like that's that's a shot that teams have to respect. And then he doesn't average a lot of assists with the Hawks. But that, that might I don't know him i haven't watched enough hawks games to know that just could be a result of the fact that no one else is allowed to pass the ball except for trey young
2: exactly and he seems to have gotten like kind of upset like really ever everybody on the hawks i think is getting kind of upset about this like there have been a ton of articles recently like being like trey young has to decide whether he's going to be like a steph curry type of player or Uh a james harden type of player and like a lot frankly i like he doesn't seem to be good enough at passing or just shooting in general to be like the james harden type of guy so he has to be like more willing to share the ball with his dynamic pick and roll big man. That's like six, nine and extremely athletic and stuff like that. And he, <laughs> and like, it, it's, it's so I, he, John Collins seems to have kind of like been like, yeah, I'm like a little bit too good to, to only touch the ball like a little bit. And they have Clint Capella there now too, and drafted uh, on Yeko Kongwu who is certainly going to be their starting center in the future. So I, I, they just don't really have a lot of room for him there. Like just, uh, uh, like when you go beyond like just the on-court basketball fit which uh, like you said he seems to just not really be like a main option there anymore which he, he probably would be with the hornets
0: probably should be yeah he's playing he's starting at power Four right now next to capella and i think ideally uh if you want to you play john collins as center like 100 percent of the time outside of maybe some unusual
1: matchups yeah, but does he want to play center? Is it one of those Anthony Davis things where, like, oh, I don't – even though center is the best position for <laughs> me, I want to play power forward because I want to have a, a wider offensive game. Like – and I understand the criticisms of Trey Young, <laughs> but, but the idea of a guy, like, calling out his teammate or, or the play style of his teammate and would – the, the uh, guards on the Hornets be a good fit for John Collins? I think it would be in a basketball sense, but I also wonder about the chemistry of the team. I mean, if he didn't like losing in Atlanta, is he going to like losing in Charlotte? I'm sorry, we, we lose sometimes. It happens. <laughs> so,
0: the thing, to, to Collins' credit, and I, this is becoming kind of a Hawks podcast now, uh, I don't think any of this was supposed to be public. People inside the locker room have report, have said this that this is what happened. Um, and from a person who obviously doesn't play NBA basketball, but plays basketball just at a, a level, um, when a player when a player dominates the ball like Trey Young does, it's always a little bit annoying, no matter how good they are. Just because it's like, I'm out here playing basketball because I like to play basketball. I would like to play basketball, not watch, not be close to somebody else while they play basketball. But you can tolerate it when they're really really good and they're winning games and then but like the patience for a player like that is very like to compare it to Devonte graham Devonte graham has had some major struggles especially shooting but he's such a good like distributor and facilitator where i don't think his teammates mind it because he's a good team player trey young when trey young struggles it's very there's a very fine line he has to walk where as soon as trey young struggles it gets very annoying very fast
2: because it's like, it all right, this really guy's yeah, this guy's shooting his ball. way out of everything. Yeah.
0: Did you see that he had a game? The game they were down by two, and he pulled up from like thirty feet on a one-on-two yes. fast break. Yes. Yeah, like that. That kind of stuff is gonna make your team, teammates yeah, mad really your fast. Teammates,
2: they're gonna want to walk off the court when they see stuff like that. Like I and like obviously Trey's really good, but I don't blame anyone for getting pissed off at that.
0: Yeah, it's just like the your kind of room for patience when you have a slump or struggle like Trey Young has is not nearly as big when you're a player that's so intent on dominating the ball. And then from the reports, John Collins was like, hey man, like wanna be more of a team guy here. And he's like, he's got to talk about it. I'm a superstar. So we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, um, I gotta extract us out of out of the Hawks podcast, yeah. whatever what it is. Atlanta feathers or whatever yeah. it is. Because the actual answer to our center issues is right here at home and it's PJ Washington. They're playing him more at the center position and he's getting more comfortable playing in that position. Um I know you got some numbers pulled up as well, Jonathan, but mm-hmm. they're with PJ Rogier, Hayward, Graham and Bridges on the court. They're plus 21. It it's it seems like I know you can't play it forever and there are some some situations where you need a true center. But P.J. is starting to play like a true center. And Lord knows he he plays better than Biambo's minutes, especially on the offensive end. And we saw that, especially with, in the last game when he I think he was 21 and, and 12, 21 mm-hmm. points, 12 rebounds. There are options on this team with a, a healthy Zeller coming back that we don't have to give away the draft capital, that we don't have to use Malik Monk as that kind of chest move play where we – you know allow him to play 20 minutes in a game and he, now he has nine points so maybe there's some trade value there we have answers at home and i think the best answer is pj washington at center
0: yeah for so according to cleaning the glass which takes out garbage time the hornets are seven or plus 7.9 points for 100 possessions uh with pj washington at center which ranks in the 85th percentile of qual- qualifying lineups, and they played a, a significant sample size. They played 473 possessions with that lineup. So, uh, yeah, it's worked well. Um, they're bad at two things. One, they don't rebound well. A Very big understatement there. They rank in the first percentile in defensive rebounding percentage, which means uh, <laughs> 99%, of te- 99% of lineups uh, are better rebounding teams, and they foul a little too much. But
1: I, I wonder what that number is with Biombo on the court like how better the rebounding situation gets with Biombo uh, on the
0: court. Well, with Biombo once at center, I'll give you a, a little click of a couple buttons here, I can tell you that the Hornets defensive rebounding rate is like middle of the road. But cool. it goes way down. So like it's it's a tra- so the thing with these lineups, especially for a team like the Hornets, it's not loaded because there's not very many teams that are like Something is going to be bad. It's just not feasible for a team to be good at everything, or else we wouldn't be 6-8, and and we wouldn't have to worry about it. There'd be nothing for us to talk about. So you have to pick what you're bad at, basically. Uh, the, The Hornets with Biombo at center can rebound okay, and they can guard, they can defend okay, but they can't score. And then you replace them with P.J. Washington, and they don't rebound well. They still defend okay, and now they score really, really well. So in the end, you're coming out ahead, which is the goal, right?
1: I hear that they decide games on how much points you score, not (laughs) how many rebounds. I I just heard that as a rumor. And you have five shooters on the court. All right, please do. Please yeah, double check we'll to, me. On we'll that. have to check that. <laughs> make sure, to, make sure to take the garbage time stats away. Um, yes. But having five shooters on the court, especially with a pace and space offense, is that's how you score points with the offense that we have. And Biondo's rebounding isn't enough to argue that he should be on the court for the majority of the time. I yeah. like biz as a, a character person. I hate talking smack about how Biz <laughs> plays basketball. Cause I like him as a person. Um, but when you see him just go up there and not really know how to even tap in a, a rebound or something like that, it's very hard to argue for him to be on the court.
0: I don't have it in front of me. Cause this is kind of a deep dive, but rebounding the re- impact that rebounding has on winning is substantially lower than people think it is like uh if you were to like scatter plot I've done it before but I you like scatter plot like defensive rebounding rate and total rebounding rate especially total rebounding rate across and like compare it against win percentage and it's there's like it's kind of like a random plot of numbers um generally Believe it or not, the thing that matters the most when it comes to winning is being able to make shots and your your opponent missing shots. Other everything else is just kind of like minutia.
2: We are making some monumental <laughs> discoveries on this podcast today, guys.
0: <laughs> it sounds so common sense, but people don't really. I think people kind of get like they kind of lose the the forest for the trees, so to speak. You know what no, I mean? It's,
2: it's a, yeah, it's completely true. Like it's like. It, it like obviously like the advanced stats boom is like a good thing, but like mm-hmm. in a way it's like like literally the only thing that matters is just putting the ball in the hoop more yep. than the other team puts the ball in the hoop. So yep. like just do that, like do whatever you can to do that. Like it, that's, re- that's really that's really yeah. all it is. Like it if you really- if you don't rebound the ball well, that's fine. You put the ball in the hoop. That's yep. that's really all that matters.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have this I have this like data visualization tool that I don't really use. I use about like. Point two percent for when i would uh post screenshots of scatter plots and it's called tableau and i had like i said i have three years worth of data and it was like every advanced stat for teams it was like true shooting percentage effective field goal percentage offensive rating defensive rating rebound rate all that stuff and i would just take win percentage and put it on the y-axis and i would just like drag different stats and see what kind of plot would come up and i would take it off and i'll put a different one on and like assist rate nothing rebound rate nothing turnover rate nothing and the only things that would, like, show any sort of, like, uh, discernible trend line were just, like, shooting percentages and opponent shooting percentages. That's, like, really all it was. And, like, and true it, shooting If you're in concerned terms of-
1: about rebounding, yeah. because pe- because teams are taking more threes, we, teams are averaging, like, 35 threes a game, the, yeah. the rebounds are longer. So, it you know, it matters less that you have somebody two feet from the basket than when these rebounds pop out to the, the key. You know what I mean? It's uh, the yeah. uh, Raptors are shooting forty-four threes a game, <laughs> yeah. Um, and those rebounds usually don't go two feet from the basket.
0: No, and that's yeah, that kind of, and to your point, like, what's the point of having this big hulking rebounder down below if the ball's bouncing over his head every time the team shoots a long shot, right? Precisely. Um, yeah, and I've so I've said this to people before, and it's it comes across as blasphemy to say yeah, rebounding is not that important, but it kind of comes out here. The The thing with the Hornets with PJ Washington at center, uh, they get out and transition a lot. Like they, uh, 18.2% of their possessions are transition possessions with PJ Washington playing center, which is 91st percentile. And they score in the 79th percentile. They add four points. per. I don't know what that means, but they're in the 79th percentile of points added per possession. And they are 86 percentile in total transition points per possession so, it's kind of what we talk about. You put another athlete and ball handler on the court, the Hornets can get out and run, which is what they want to do, and transitions the most efficient type of offense. So, you know, whatever you sacrifice in terms of size and physicality, you make up for by be, by being able to score, get more opportunities in the most efficient scoring uh, play type possible. So, yes, uh, Zach, I like the idea of more PG Washington in the center. And when, who was it that's talked about James's tweet? Who said that before the show? Uh, I
2: did. Uh, yeah, I yeah, did. Uh, yeah. James Plowright at British Buzz, he planted this seed. Uh, I think like either yesterday or when everyone's listening to this, I think it would have been either two days ago or three days ago. Uh, he tweeted that he thinks that PJ might uh, might as well just be the starting center for the rest of the year. I, th- I think I'm on that bandwagon as well.
0: Yeah, at least until Cody comes back. Maybe you know, tinker with it a little bit when Cody comes back. But uh, Cody Zeller. But yeah, I I'm not opposed.
1: Are you opposed, Zach? You know, uh, let's see when Cody Zeller comes back. I'm not the biggest Cody Zeller fan (laughs) at all. What I worry about with PJ at center is, you know, as we talked about, for developing him as a an, as an actual player, because as much as I'm concentrating on us winning this season, I really want to see this team grow. Um, mm-hmm. And you wonder how much of the responsibilities of a center is not allowing him to kind of work on him being more of a star in the team. Um, but yes, I, give me PJ Washington. Numbers show it out. And it's just funner. They eat <laughs> in transition. They they they. They play well with in transition. Uh, Lamelo looks like a a quarterback on the basketball court. When they play in transition, show me more of that. I gotta watch all these games. Show me more of that.
0: The other thing, by the way, speaking of transition with them with Washington Center, other teams cannot score. Like they prevent other teams from getting out in transition. Um, That one's a little harder to explain. You know, it's kind of a conceptual thing, but I think it's just having another person that can help get back and help kind of stem the, the other teams transition opportunities has uh, made it to where other teams are trying to get on transition against the Hornets and not scoring.
2: They have so, so many running them players around. on the court too at that yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, like PJ, PJ is so fast for a center. Like <laughs> as a four, he's really like not, but when you put it, when you put him <laughs> as, as a five, like he, he's, he can move. Uh, yeah. Like I'm like, Jesus, I'm looking at it right now. They're, 96th percentile in points per possession in transition defense like that is Mm -hmm. absolutely insane for a team that doesn't have any single like quote-unquote like good or great defender like nobody on the team is really like it stands out on defense but like cohesively they're extremely good
0: yeah i'm trying to find this thing and the other thing with pj washington like Zach was talking about with him and his development uh his Blitz, I found it on here, but his stats, like, and his uh, performance, I guess you could say, when he's playing center is astronomically better than when he's a power forward, which is a little disappointing, because he's supposed to be a four, but as long as he's good somewhere, it's fine, but he's been, he's kind of struggled when playing, and then part of it's probably because the center he's playing next to is biz, but... Hes struggled as a four so far this season, and he's been very good as a five, so that's kind of another thing to to keep an eye on as the season goes along and the next few years goes uh goes along
1: and the position changes how many times we have to talk about the center position is evolving very quickly. DeAndre Jordan yeah. can't stay on the starting lineup like you need a a guy who can be able to hit shots outside at five, and that's what p j gives us.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a it's a different game and I think uh teams are realizing I think we of the, the same thing that we the the benefits you get by playing another basically another perimeter player outweigh the downsides of losing a little bit of a little bit rebounding of rebounding stats. Yeah, and rebounding because yeah. and eventually that's going to get come out in the wash anyway cuz as more and more teams try to keep up with this the the rebounding edge is going to kind of dissipate a little bit. Like there won't be as many big rebounding centers to take advantage of that. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, do you guys have anything else before we move on to the second half of the show? No, no should be good. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with Buzzing and wasn't and a little preview. See you on this side. back to the at the hive podcast we got a few more things to talk about uh we'll start with buzzing and wasn't uh we'll start with zach who is your buzzing
1: sure so my buzzing was going to be pj washington we spent a lot of the first half kind of talking about pj washington as a center he's doing great keep working pj um but i'm gonna switch to lamello ball and i'll tell you why all right lamello ball is has had some struggles specifically in the um, second game of the Raptors kind of pseudo uh, series there. Uh Um, He struggled a little bit, but as I mean, he's, he's top contender for rookie of the year. He's doing amazing things inside the team context. And one day he won't be new. He won't be shiny. This is definitely going to happen where he gets his, like the second year of his career. And he's not, automatically kobe bryant and people are going to be like what's wrong with Lamelo? oh he's not as good you know we've seen this with miles we've seen it with pj um enjoy this time as just like hey every every positive thing he does is just cream on the cake my buzzing candidate is Lamelo ball yeah he's gonna get to a
0: point where like the things that he doesn't do well but we don't care because he's like you said he's new and shiny and fun we're going to be like, you know, I'm starting to get a little annoyed by how he'll shoot that 30-foot jump shot. You know, maybe, you know, like those types yeah. of things.
1: And he's going to do something like a young kid does. He's probably going to get closer than six feet to somebody. Yeah. He's going to be, you know, on TMZ or something like that. Remember, he's a young kid. He's little, growing in the NBA, and he's doing an awesome job for the beginning of his career. I have I have three things to
0: supplement your two buzz-ins. Uh P.J. Washington. Averaging since last show, so three games, averaging 17 points, 11 rebounds, four assists per game. Um, Lamella Ball, as of this recording, in terms of totals, he leads the he leads all rookies in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Maybe not blocks, points, rebounds, assists, and steals, and I think three pointers made was the other one. So that's what more can I say to you? That's pretty much that's pretty good, I think. And then good, the last. Good. Go ahead. The gladiator, the are you not entertained? Yeah. Are you <laughs> and, not entertained? And the last Lamella Ball stat, per uh, 36 minutes, which he's not getting yet, but he will pr- probably by the end of the year, uh, averaging 17 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals per game. That's some pretty insane production for a 19-year-old rookie, which comes to the question i asked i think i asked on the show last week right is is lamelo ball going to have a triple double for a season for his career he's almost doing it now he's almost there already Crazy. as a 19 year old yeah chase did you have anything to add to that and then who is your buzzing
2: uh well i mean yeah lamelo is probably going to be the best basketball player that has yes, ever been yes, yes 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 chase likes lamelo
1: 15 years
2: <laughs> playing for the charlotte hornets so i mean thanks again this is the, yeah, thing, th- things worked out pretty well for us in the in the draft i think that that, <laughs> that was, became pretty clear but uh for my buzzin' candidate this week the man the myth the legend malik monk mostly the finally myth. yeah mostly mostly myth <laughs> um but now he's finally got back in the rotation as uh, for uh, two games in a row we will have to see whether or not he continues to be in the rotation when they next play on friday but i mean he played back-to-back games uh at the second game against the raptors he only played like four minutes but i, I think that was because they <laughs> mostly was like a seven man rotation for that game yeah so uh, but i mean he he played he got back-to-back minutes he in the or back-to-back games he got minutes the first game he played pretty well i mean he seems to have kind of reinvigorated himself he gave a interview or i'll or in one of his interviews, he gave a long quote about how when he wasn't playing, he kind of focused all of his energy on just, like, helping out LaMelo and all the other young players just develop in the NBA and how he had a lot to offer them about how he's gone through, you know, a lot of, you know, struggles, really, just as a young NBA player and how he can, you know, advise them what and what not to do. So it's good to see him, you know, at least get a chance to prove himself again. I I mean, I don't know what his future looks like with the Hornets because who who knows – what they plan on doing with like his with his contract this summer but you know if, if if he is going to be moved to another team to get a fresh start it's nice that he gets to establish some trade value and you know showcase his abilities and I mean if not then it's just it's just good to see him change up the pace in the offense because he for for what he is like he can get downhill he can create some opportunities at the rim he's a, developed a lot as a passer and I had a tweet about this during the game the other day. I think his off-ball defense is like w- one of the more underrated aspects of like the any Hornets players' like game. Like I, re- I really don't think he's like that bad of a defender at all. I mean, he's not he's not great like on ball, just containing, you know, players <laughs> was, and them in front of him. But he's not he, he's definitely not a bad defender anymore.
0: He was a, uh, he was very uh, like not- And this is just me watching. Uh, when I was paying close attention to him, he was a like, noticeably bad at containing dribble penetration in the first Raptors game. um, I didn't watch it all the way through. He might have gotten better game long. I just, when he first came on the court, I'm like, let's see how he defends. And he kind of didn't. He, yeah, like, no, he definitely
2: <laughs> isn't like a, you know, a lockdown, keep this yeah. guy in front of you. But he's, he seems to have gotten a lot better at like not like ball watching, I guess, and just being yeah. in the right spot and rotations and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it was funny, but by the way, when he said two games game log, and it was like, and then the second game was three minutes and 52 seconds. It's like, but he got in. He did get in. Yeah, and what was him? Cody Martin
2: only played like three minutes that game because they were. It was just such a close game the whole time. Yeah,
0: and then they had the extended time off afterwards.
1: Yeah uh um, what we should have done was let him play those 23 minutes in the first raptors game he was like 60 percent from the three-point line uh had 10 points three assists three rebounds which doesn't sound like a big stat line but is fantastic for malik monk and then <laughs> traded him before the second raptors
0: game <laughs> it's like see he's still good now take him and then they're like wait a minute um my uh buzzing is Devonte graham because if in case you didn't realize i like Devonte graham um Many people don't know that. How dare you? <laughs> Devontae Graham, actually good. Um, I've said a lot about his on-offs and all that stuff. I don't need to rehash all that on the podcast. But they're good. And he's also starting to like not sh- miss every single shot he takes, which is a step up from where he was uh, the beginning of the season. Um, So the last four games of Devontae Graham is averaging 16.5 points, 6.3 assists, two steals two steals is pretty good um i mean all that's pretty good and then he's shooting 40.7 percent from the field which isn't great but it's also not bad considering the fact that the majority of his attempts are three-pointers and they're tough three-pointers and he's shooting 37 percent from three on eight and a half or 8.8 8 attempts per game his his stats over the last four games and i obviously four game sample size is small but that's what the whole point of this segment is Uh, are kind of in line with his production last season with the slight decrease in usage that is bound to happen with LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward taking more touches. But it's good to see that he's kind of slowly climbing out of that horrible shooting slump he started the season with. That's my For sure, and
1: enough can't be said about even through the struggles, even through, you know, having a legitimate... Argument for being more a part of the offense um, mm-hmm. because of his season last season. You know, you don't see him moping around. You don't see him talking to, bad to the media about his team. Like he's yeah. just like every every other guard in this team is is okay with being a part of the team and not being the center of everything that happens in the offense. Um, yeah, he's had some struggles. I don't know if he would have been my buzzing candidate, but. Mm-hmm. So Great. Thing- could be Good. worse could be a, <laughs> couldn't couldn't be a better team player
0: the thing with devonte and i've said this in a couple of comments uh yesterday was his the, the biggest problem he had is that he shot his shooting was so bad right at the beginning of the season with lamelo ball with everybody wanting to see lamelo ball cuz person you know how first impressions are uh they stick so like he's played his most, so he played six really bad games and he's played eight games where he's been significantly better. But because those six really bad games came first, people, I think, think that stretch was longer than it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, the shooting slump for the most part. And obviously it wasn't great after that six game mark, but he scored double figures in seven of the last eight games after being in single digits. And so, It was six games, really. It was, like, six games of putrid shooting, and I think that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle, that it was only six games. Like, if he does that between game, like, 29 and 35, people just don't realize it, because it's in the middle of everything.
1: You guys are both... Am I wrong about this? You guys are both pretty positive about Devontae's future?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he'll be... I I don't think uh, he he makes the next and just kind of, like blows up after that like becomes nothing
1: so we're we're still on the re-signed Devonte man yeah
2: absolutely yeah
0: and then gotcha. i and as people have known i've noticed i'm very hung up on the fact that this is two years in a row where whenever he's on the floor the hornets are just much much better and that's with him being the primary ball handler even this year he, he holds the ball more than anybody else so it's i think it's fair to tie that into him at least to a decent extent uh zach who is your
1: wasn't so it was going to be the Charlotte Hornets coaching staff, oh, if only because spicy. we have five people on this team who just don't get minutes. And I, I understand it's in normal season. I wouldn't be so caught up on that, but we don't have enough talent on this team where five people just straight up. Don't play at all. Um, I'm counting Cody Zeller in this, and I understand he's injured, but he's just injured all the time. So Make I'm him play anyway. Exact, A hundred percent. Um, but you know what? I'm taking the week off of wasn't. Everyone was buzzing <laughs> last week. Um, have a happy MLK day. It was a beautiful day today. Um, enjoy some, some evening basketball. Everybody's buzzing from last week.
0: Yeah, we, we, we talked about this, but it was like looking through things like there wasn't anybody that stood out as stuff like particularly poor. Other than, like, biz, but we don't need to harp on that anymore. We already have- and the
1: fact that the team lost the past three games. <laughs> yeah, they did. Nobody but, played poorly. <laughs> water under
0: the bridge. I guess, you could, Chase, who's your wasn't?
2: I mean, like, I literally have been thinking about it since we talked about it earlier, and I can't, I can't think of, like, any one person like nobody played that bad honestly like yeah like uh, they they lost but it was never like like uh uh, here we go it wasn't gordon hayward's left hip muscles (laughs) literally the only really the only thing yeah because like i mean that that was that was pretty much the only downside to anything that happened in those games other than just losing but i mean is losing really that bad in year two of a rebuild (laughs) i don't think so And that's another thing. It amazes me how many people are like really upset when the Hornets lose a game to a good team in the second year of a rebuild when like a 19 (laughs) year old rookie is the cornerstone (laughs) of the franchise. I didn't expect this. I thought we knew that they weren't supposed to be that good yet.
0: Well, it's whenever the, whenever the Hornets win, it kind of people, there's, there's a lot of, uh, over analyzing each the most recent result every time. And it's, it's, it is very funny to see like the, uh, like the Twitter opinion shift from game to game where like the Hornets win a game, especially if it's against a team, that's not bad. It's just like, Oh, this team is the truth. And then they lose to a team, especially if it's not a good team. It's like, this team is trash. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, you had the opposite opinion of this team four days ago.
1: And um, here's the thing here in the moment. I feel like that. They, yeah. Nobody will uh, move on too. this team. Nobody can hit a flipping shot on this team. But you know what I do? I take a second, take my fingers off the old Twitter machine. I take a <laughs> deep breath and I'm like, maybe I'm, maybe there's a little emotion in this. Opinion. Yeah. You know let's, I mean?
0: Yeah. Let's now let's take a step back and see, like, let's get a look at the big picture here. Cause yeah, it's the same thing for me. I'm like sitting here watching these games and I'm so tempted just like, write Like, yeah. And then the Hornets missed and then they missed again. And then they missed again. And then they missed again. And, missed again, and it's just like, and it's like I've had games where I've like laughed at the Hornets because they've been so bad. But it's like you know what? It's basketball, and basketball is kind of a funny sport because it's very everybody, everybody. The best teams and the worst teams are very hot and cold, and uh, that's just kind of the nature of the sport. Um, moving on, my what? And I guess the was it could also be the Hornets three point defense, and that's kind of like the results of their losses was Luka Doncic got really hot, and then the Raptors got really hot from three, and part of that's the Hornets defense, but. You also don't expect your opponent to make 23s in back-to-back games, even if your defense is less than stellar. But uh, my wasn't is a 30-team NBA. We'll go off the Hornets route real quick. Um, it's come up a couple times lately, and the NBA uh, has talked about expanding to 32 teams. I presume 32 teams, because they want an odd number, uh, as kind of a way to just get a big influx of cash. My guess is I don't think anybody's outwardly said it, but just to get a big influx of cash after they lost so much money from this coronavirus pandemic, uh, we're pretty in agreement that that's the reason for this, right?
2: Absolutely, Tillman Fertitta needs needs that credit line and bounce back. <laughs> they going to help him yeah. out.
0: <laughs> and then it's funny with this, the like when I kind of did a little little superficial research, it was like, yeah, Seattle Seattle will get one, whatever. So who would get the other one? Um there was a report yesterday that Vegas and Kansas City were both kind of like angling for it. Um where first what idea of two more NBA teams and what two cities would you pick? Zach, you go first. If stop, you have a thought. Stop.
1: Just stop there's there's not no enough more. good players. there's I, we can't get good players to come on this team or to to get drafted on this team. I'm looking at you two second rounders that we just drafted. I don't need two more teams to compete with, especially if they're in cities that are larger metropolises have a bigger uh, media. I just I don't need two more teams. Hmm. Fun fact, who was the last team that was added um when the NBA expanded last? Oh, the old Charlotte Bob Johnsons. Old oh, Charlotte Bob Johnsons, two thousand two. <laughs> that turned out well, right? Couple championships with that team. Can't remember <laughs> anyway. Um, so as for where those two teams might go if they expand, which they shouldn't, um, <laughs> I don't like the idea of Kansas City as much, though. I know there's a there's a nice sports like audience there, and Vegas has a. Like NBA present presence, uh, Vegas is where the summer, or the main summer league happens. Uh, yeah. You know, Vegas is already an NBA team. I'd be fine with Vegas getting an NBA team, but I think that they are already an NBA presence. Give me two places where people don't have other major sports teams. It would be yeah. nice for you know Idaho or something like that to get a <laughs> team. I, you know, not that I care about Idaho at all, but places where people don't get to see stuff like this on a regular basis
0: yeah uh, that that's always fun it's just you know the, the the financials of having a team like playing in north dakota or whatever chase what about what about you
2: yeah we'll see i like i definitely understand like the there aren't enough good players in the league mm-hmm. thing but like to an extent that that that's true but like i think you could definitely add the two teams and not notice like a difference in like the competitiveness on like a night-to-night basis like people already are like like oh i don't want to watch all 82 regular season games they get boring so it's like i don't think adding two teams is gonna like make people just turn people off so much to that and like people in that market are gonna watch the games no matter what And like i i think that like like you, you seattle probably just get one by default, because yeah. they were they were robbed of a team, you know, like pretty recently, <laughs>
0: and, and the market is just like die, like desperate to get their team back. Like it's not like they're like oh, we actually don't care anymore. It yeah, like
2: be a popular were,
1: team too. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, like the old, all the new Sonic's gear they could put out would make a ton of money. Like and like if there were expansion teams in the NBA and that it wasn't in Seattle, like they <laughs> that fan base would probably have, make a a very big problem out of it. But the second team like Vegas probably just makes the most sense. But like, I think uh, I've seen people float like uh, Virginia beach or like Baltimore, that area as a, as a possibility. I don't know. Like, I don't like, I don't think that they would do that, but because it just doesn't seem like an area where the NBA would want to like, be like have like build an arena and then you know like have be have players be living like out yeah it just it doesn't seem like an area where they would be like oh we really need to have a footprint here because there's so much like college basketball in that area that people care about
0: what's the like i I know you don't know this off the top of your head like the metropolitan
2: like the market size of like a virginia beach uh i actually i don't know the size of it but i believe now that it is currently since Vegas is a hockey team, it is currently the largest market in America that doesn't have a single professional sports team. It's like huh. that and Springfield, Massachusetts, which is so funny to imagine a pro sports team. <laughs> but, like, yeah. the Hall of Fame is there, so, like, it doesn't make as little sense as you would think. Like, uh, like, I think that that would be, like, a sneaky option for them, like, if they wanted. But, like, players would be absolutely livid if they were forced to live in Springfield, rounds. <laughs> but, like, I, I I think that could be, that's, like, a really... Far chance, but it's it's definitely more possible. Like someone said, Montreal. There's literally a zero percent chance there's ever a basketball team in Montreal. They love hockey too much. The language barrier is too much. Like that, that that's just not a possibility. I don't think
0: the Virginia Beach one is interesting. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Zach. Because I was
1: taking travel out of it, right? Because that's that's prohibitive. Is there a foreign city that you would like to see an NBA team in? Vancouver. Um, (laughs) fair enough i like australia loves basketball they're definitely it would be really cool to see like an uh an asian country get a basketball team or something like that there's a lot of countries that really love basketball now uh, there are complications to many of (laughs) (laughs) of uh not to mention travel but it would be really cool to see the NBA fans that are not in America show pride in, like, a local team, you know?
0: You know what would be really cool is if, again, travel is the prohibitive factor here. But if the the NBA could become a part of, like, the Euro League, and if they could – or they could expand that to have, like, a World League, uh, I don't know if you know how that stuff works. They, that they would already be, ha- yeah, there's already if the
1: they F- FBO, right?
0: There's well, there's I don't know, but there's like the chase. You uh, you know, do you guys know how that works? I know Chase, you have a little bit of a familiarity with it, right? Like the Euro League and like soccer and
2: basketball. I guess yeah. the Champions League in soccer. Yeah, right. Yeah, like exactly. It's basically it's pretty much the same as how soccer goes. Like I I mm. for, from what I've gathered, like yeah, like they have the like Bundesliga is like German German basketball league, and then they have like the Adriatic League for like all the other or some teams like in the, the Serbia. Yeah, like exactly. Like Serbia, Croatia, and all that but then those teams play like a EuroLeague season as well which yeah, is I a, I think that's how soccer works as too right
0: it's a little different like soccer is a little more condensed like they have like a group play and then they move straight to the tournament and then the EuroLeague is like a whole season like you just said where the Champions League is a little more like a cup type thing like a World Cup type thing for okay. people who are into that okay. but it would be really cool to see like like the best like six or eight teams or whatever from the NBA and then they would play games against the best teams in Europe and China and Australia, which we obviously the NBA would like kill these teams. But that's kind of how it works in the the Euro League and stuff too. It's just kind of fun, um, just to to kind of branch out and kind of make this a more. I mean, it's a global sport, right? It'd be cool, uh, for that. But travels prohibitive, and then the NBA schedule is so tight they won't make concessions for that, and they play a lot more games than the other teams do. Because like teams in Europe, I think like thirty-five games for their regular season in their domestic league because they have to make room for all these other competitions. So it,
1: Jonathan pipe dream, but what? Remember when I said I didn't have a wasn't this week, I lied. I just remembered I have a wasn't and it is the Charlotte Hornets merchandise situation. Oh boy. <laughs> You've got these awesome mint and gold jerseys that I would love some type of uh, apparel for. And the only thing I can get is a black hoodie. Like the fun part is that the, we have new colors and they look really good together. <laughs> I don't need a black hoodie with a mint and gold Hornet on the middle of it. Um, can I get some more options, please? And no, I don't want Mickey mouse on my shirt. <laughs> Did you, I saw
0: that too. Dick sporting goods. Yeah. Um, not no free ads. Uh, but yeah, I also ordered like so the shorts like a month and a half ago, I still haven't gotten them. Um, where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, to kind of go back to the original question of the expansion, Seattle is obvious. Uh, the other team that I – the two places that I had thought of were Louisville and Tampa because I really – I guess Tampa has got a pretty good uh, – some, some pretty good support, and that's where Toronto's – where the Raptors are playing their game this year. I was unaware of the the Virginia Beach populace, and I'm like just looking at Google Maps, and they have between like Newport News, Hampton, Norfolk, Chesapeake – Um, and some other stuff like just the footprint like the size of the metropolitan area is pretty large and i did not realize there were that many people there and that would be just like kind of a cool like what zach was saying place of they have no pro sports give them a pro sport and it's kind of and it's far enough away where it's not really going to infringe on i don't think there's going to be people out there that are going to be super loyal to either the wizards or the hornets because neither team has been good enough to attract people from that far out of their local market
2: yeah, Sorry. and like the yeah, and I think the only other competing thing they would have is like college teams. And people can you can like like maybe I mean I know Duke and UNC is like you know, obviously takes precedent over the Hornets sometimes in North Carolina because of how popular they are, but like Not I don't know. I don't role. know if I don't know if Virginia <laughs> has the same type of effect on people N- there. Nah, like, no, yeah, it would Those, be cool actually cuz it's so many cities i didn't even think about that like but when you said it there're like five different cities there they they cuz they kind of are playing for like a region rather than yeah. like a, like sure. one di- one place
0: yeah i think you could there there'd be a lot of branding opportunities there um so I, that's my that's my new vote virginia beach I have no idea like who the investor would be or where they would play but virginia beach if i play 2k career and i add franchises it's going to be seattle and virginia beach
2: Oh, that's a good idea. I got to start one of those now. <laughs> oh, I also—I totally forgot. Did you guys remember they had a, a G League team going to Mexico City for like 2021? I think.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about that too.
2: Yeah, so they—they are going to have a team that's not in oh, the U.S. or Canada pretty soon. Huh. That like uh, Yeah, the Capitanes de Ciudad de Mexico. It's just starting <laughs> in the 2021-2022 season.
1: Be interesting to see how they handle the travel with that.
2: Yeah, and I don't think it's affiliated with the team either. Like, I th- think the players will just be like playing for an NBA contract from anyone, not like how the Swarm or Hornets yeah. players and stuff.
0: Yeah, that would be interesting. Also, like players be like, "Nah, I don't want to really go overseas." On, I don't. I know I can make more money overseas, but I like to stay at home. And then they're like, "All right, we're well, going to go play for Mex in Mexico City." Like, ah.
2: Yeah, that's the yeah. That's the only thing is like just because like. It's so different than anywhere in America. Like not like yeah. just getting like leaving your house, you're you're basically on like another planet.
0: Yeah, especially if the language barrier up. We'll see how that all. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for that now. Um, real quick. Wednesday they play Friday against the Bulls. Uh, that's a winnable game because the Bulls are not good. And then they play back to back back to back games on Sunday and Monday against the Magic in Orlando. And that should be fun because it's always fun to play against the old, the old crew. They got Steve Clifford. Now Dwayne Bacon's there. Um, also should be winnable games. Cause I don't think the magic can score points. So you guys, you guys feel good about these, this upcoming stretch of games. I think the, Horn- the Hornets could realistically win all three of these games coming up. Not that they
1: will, cause they probably won't, but they could. Anything could still happen. Yeah, man. As long as as long as they play these games, that's what I'm looking for. Um, You know, remember that every time you see the Hornets, it's not a given that they're going to play again. So Mm -hmm. every time you see Bismack Biyombo miss the catch (laughs) of a pass, just remember, savor it because it might not happen. Yes,
0: it's like he's not watching Hornets basketball at all.
2: Looking at the schedule right now, the Hornets have yet to. Not like win or lose consecutive nights. Like they're through the through the game so far. It's loss, loss, win, win, loss, 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 win, 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 loss, loss, loss. So we might be due for a nice it, stretch. Yeah, we is. might just get. Might they might rattle off four or five in a row before they they start it, tanking
1: again. It's it's actually Morse code. It's Malik Monk like spelling <laughs> out that he needs help through the win loss record. It's, it's <laughs> SOS. It's, like, it's very close to an SOS. Uh. uh type of thing um
0: the magic have done the same thing they start off four and zero. they start off six and two and they were like top of the east and then they've lost six straight so and they've they've scored here's a fun fun little fun fact the magic have lost six games in a row do you know how many times they scored in triple figures
2: during that stretch Zero. One. Oh wow i'm surprised honestly they're so bad on offense it's, it was it's the not Nets, fun to so watch don't play
0: defense because they have Kevin Durant and James Harden now oh
2: yeah that was like the other day that game yeah but yeah they've scored under
1: 105 of their last six games that's not good No, um, yeah, but this is gonna be my first opportunity to see Harden and KD together when they play on MLK Day night and I'm excited to see them play together because it looks like they're an unstoppable force
0: yeah it'll be it'll be interesting oh one more wasn't travel the show uh, seventh Wizards player tested positive so good job Wizards
2: yeah, I hope they all Wizards feel better.
0: Wasn't <laughs> wasn't Washington Wizards? Um, but with that, that's our show. Thanks everybody for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. See you later. Peace
1: cannot be kept See by force; it can only be achieved by understanding. Help
0: me. <laughs> See it.